Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Welcome. If you're visiting, uh, we're really glad you're here. And, and again, for our visitors, if this is your first time here, this is not normal. They don't normally sing happy birthday because, uh, well, but, uh, but this isn't how we normally are set up. This is a series that we've been in. And uh, um, as the saying goes, all good things must come to an end. I think someone said that. And so this is the final weekend of, of this Better Together series that we've been doing. Have you enjoyed doing church in the round like this? Yeah? Oh, 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 oh. So here's the thing. I, a lot of you have said, I want it this way all the time. Well, uh, we will definitely do it again, but, uh, but we're, we're going to get back to uh, how it normally is next weekend. But uh, know that our goal with this, uh, doing Church in the Round, was to remove that space between the activity of the stage and the quote-unquote audience as we gather together. The goal was to try and gather as a, as, a, as a big, small group. And I think we've accomplished that over the last two weekends. Um, and one of the reasons why we were able to accomplish that was really it was you. And I want to say thank you to all of you uh, who've been with us the last couple of weekends because not only have we been you know, teaching different things. First weekend, I taught on the five-step prayer model, uh, but we not only talked about it, we did it. We broke down into small groups and you did it and you did great. Everyone got an A. And then last weekend, Andrew was talking about just listening to the Holy Spirit uh, uh, for, on, someone else's, on someone else's behalf, like listening to God, what God might be saying to that person in the moment, something unknown to us, maybe even unknown to them, uh, but not unknown, totally known uh, to God. And I've talked with a few people from last weekend, and they said it was uh, wonderfully surreal to have someone pray for you and pray something without God's intervention. There's no way that person could have known it. Did anyone else experience that last weekend? Oh, that's, please. Oh, that's good. That's good. Thank you. Well, we'll be wrapping it up here. Um, <laughs> sail at Tanger, let's go. But no, I thought, it was, I thought it was awesome. But thanks again for jumping in. So I was thinking, this is our wrap-up weekend. How, you know, we've been gathering in small groups each weekend. What are we going to do? What's going to be sort of the climax of this series? What are we going to do to wrap it up? And so what we're going to do is we're actually going to do a foot... Oh, we're actually going to do a foot washing. Okay. No, okay, that's... Someone put water in there, and I just pulled a muscle in my back. But we're not going to do a foot washing. Some of you are maybe disappointed. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, I knew I should have clipped my toenails last night. No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. But I do wonder in saying that, in, in jesting, uh, I wonder what it looks like in 2023 in the United States. I wonder what it looks like to follow the example of Jesus and to wash another person's feet. That's something, I think, to prayerfully consider. So what we're going to do to end off this Better Together series is uh, we're going to be looking at one of the biblical descriptions of what a united, better together uh, church looks like and functions as. In the Bible, we see the people of God described as a family. God is our father, and we collectively are his children. In the Bible, we see uh, the people of God described as his wife where God is our husband and we collectively 
are the bride of Christ. In the Bible, we see the people of God described as his body, many different parts collectively united into his body, the body of Christ with Jesus as the head. This weekend, I want to look at uh, how the Bible describes us, the people of God described as a spiritual house where we collectively are built and formed into a spiritual house. You could also say, uh, you could also say a temple uh, where God dwells by his spirit. And that's what we look like. And then, and this is really what I want to focus on. And then as this spiritual house, we collectively function in this world, function in our lives as royal priests, royal priests, as we, you know, serving God, serving other people. Now, did you know that? Did you know that the Bible says that if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer in Jesus, the Bible says you are a royal priest. Did you know that? Like a bit of participation. Turn to the person beside you and say, did you know that you're a royal priest? Want to try that? Lots of energy. That was great. Lots of energy. And you might be sitting there thinking, uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so because I'm not a pastor, right? I'm a school teacher or I'm a dentist or I'm a doctor or I'm an engineer or I'm a, you know, whatever you are. I'm a parent. I'm a student, whatever you are. And to that, God would say, oh, no, no, no. I get that. I get that. But my plan is that my people would increasingly live their lives, live in those different places and function as royal priests, as representatives of God uh, in, in those places. So uh, uh, collectively, we are a royal priesthood, and that's, that's the title of my talk. And one of the themes that we see all throughout the Bible, we see this movement towards we, we over me. Right? We see this, that God is always wanting to bring us together, better together. And I, I am increasingly convinced that one of the great threats to the health and effectiveness of the Western church, it's not you know, some ism, liberalism, socialism, or agenda LGBT, or some political agenda. I'm convinced one of the great threats to our effectiveness as a church body is our strong grip on our individualism where we put me over we. And the problem with that is one, it's not good for us. And two, it's the opposite of what God wants for us. He is wanting to take a group of people and move us together to build us uh, into a house that we would learn in this life how to put we over me. So before I pray, and before we take a closer look at what it means to be a royal priesthood, I wanna put a focus on we, and our connection to one another. This is really simple, uh, but it's a start. So we're, we're not going to wash anyone's feet unless you really want that. You can talk to Bill. Bill will be washing feet in the parking lot, actually. <laughs> He'd probably do a great job. He has great feet. Bill has great feet. No, okay. So we're not going to do that. But for, okay, but you have one minute. <clears throat> you have one minute to introduce yourself to someone that you don't already know. Okay, you have one minute. Go. Just go introduce yourself. Do, 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 do. Hi there. My name's Andrew Hudson. Do, 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 do. Wow, you guys are, look at him go. <clears throat> and thanks to our visitors for participating. Okay. 
Okay, once you've introduced yourself, though, go, go back to your seat. We got a, we got a, we got a sermon to do. Good for you. Hey, th- thanks so much. Okay, so hey, let's, let's pray. Let's pray and then we'll, we'll jump into my talk. So Lord, I, I thank you for today. I thank you. Uh, I just thank you for everyone that's here. I thank you for our visitors. I pray that they would feel just relaxed. And if, well, after that, I hope <laughs> they're still here. So, uh, but I do pray online, those that are watching, Lord, would you uh, teach us more today about what it looks like in our everyday lives to function as royal priests. It's a bizarre, it's a, it's a bizarre phrase. It's not something that we, we say a lot, but would you teach us something new today? We welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're going to be looking, uh, we're not going to go there yet, but let me, let me set up our text. We're going to have a, a chunk um, of, that we're going to be drawing from. And uh, in, this, in this chunk we're looking at, Peter is writing to Gentile Christians, to non-Jewish Christians, who really are, are experiencing a level of uh, persecution in their communities because, because they're doing their best to do what, what I'm talking about today, to live their lives as royal priests in their homes, their neighborhoods, their communities, as representatives uh, of God. Um, these Christians were increasingly out of step with their culture because they were walking to the beat of a very different drum. They were trying to do things God's way as, as his priests, representing him, as opposed to the culture's way or even their own, the beat of their own drum. And, and so they're living, doing their best to live as royal priests, ministers uh, uh, of God uh, in their homes, in their communities, etc. Today in 2023, just like at this time, I think what Peter's going to say to us here is super relevant uh, to us today as it was to the people then. We live in a fast-changing culture where I promise you, if you set out that trying to follow the ways of God, that you're a really counter to our culture. And so Peter is writing this letter to encourage them, to encourage us not to give into the culture and to keep living as royal priests. Here's what he says. First uh, Peter 2, verse 4. <clears throat> As you come to him, the living stone, talking about Jesus, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall, meaning they're tripping over Jesus. They stumble, why do they stumble? Because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, Gentile believers, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So that's what we're going to be drawing from. Uh, Point one is uh, together we are a spiritual house. So in this passage, again, Peter, Peter's talking about how uh, he describes the church. He describes us. He describes us collectively as a group, a bunch of uh, living stones who are being built 
it says, being built into a spiritual house. And the fact that it says being built, it means that this house isn't finished yet. That tells me there's lots of other stones, lots of other people out there that, that he wants to build into, into this house. That he is wanting to, you know, again, build this spiritual house, working to put us together. Meaning, again, the plan of God is primarily we over me, right? Yes, each, each stone is important and, and valuable, uh, but God's goal and plan is that we are better together, that we would be a spiritual house as opposed to a bunch of stones lying in a field. That's called a field of stones and not a spiritual house. Okay, I thought that was pretty deep. I've been listening to Jordan Peterson a lot. I thought that was pretty good, but obviously the blank stares tell me to just keep going. Okay, and notice, notice this spiritual house of living stones. Uh, notice that, that, uh, that we are built upon the foundation of Jesus. Jesus is referred to as the living stone, capital S, living stone. He's also referred to as the cornerstone, which is really, really important. I remember uh, when my wife and I were first married, uh, this may, well, I, I'm not very good at building things. I'm good at breaking things, uh, but I'm not good at building things. And uh, when we were first married, I set out uh, one day, I was going to install my own backsplash, you know, like the tile in, in the kitchen. And I was just going to eyeball it. Yeah, there you go. So I, uh, well, I, don't, I, can, I can move on now. But I was going to eyeball it in order to get the tiles straight and to have them placed correctly. And my wife, you know, she was very sweet about it, but she said, hey, aren't you supposed to like find the center, like a starting place? Or aren't you at least supposed to use those little spacers between the tiles? And I, I laughed, like, no way, you don't need those. You can just eyeball it. Well, uh, in the end, it looked more like a, a group of monkeys who had been feasting on fermented banana bananas installed my backsplash. It looked sort of Picasso-ish, if you will. Um, and I say that just to say, it is really important if you're going to build something, and I'm not a builder, so forgive the language here, but you need to establish, you need to find your center. You need to establish your correct starting place because uh, where you start is going to determine where you get to. Right? And it's going to determine really the, the integrity of, of, of what you're trying to build. And, and in this text, Jesus is called the cornerstone of, of this spiritual house. Right, uh, And so you can define cornerstone in different ways. One definition of cornerstone is this. Cornerstone. A stone representing the starting place in the construction of a monumental building usually carved with the date. Okay, so this cornerstone really is more of a uh, ceremonial stone, right? It's it's more it's it's there for the it's it's more there for uh, for it to be informative, but it really has very little to do with the the integrity of the structure. Here's another definition: cornerstone, the chief foundation on which something is constructed or developed. Now this stone. This stone is not ceremonial. It is more foundational. In fact, this stone, there's a really good chance that when this building is completed, you won't even see this stone because it's what this building is, is built upon. And, 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 and so it's not, it's not like, you know, there to, it's, more, it's not window dressing like a ceremonial stone. It's foundational. It's a foundational stone. So let me ask you a question. One, you know, definition one, definition two, which one is Jesus? 
two. Good, you can all stay. That's great. So it's the second one. Going back to our passage, think about this. If Jesus was only a ceremonial stone, I don't think people would have tripped over him. I don't think he would have got in people's way because a ceremonial stone, you can, like you can basically ignore it. Uh, but, but it says that they did trip over Jesus and they tripped over Jesus because the message that he brought was foundational. It called for change. It was a new way of living life. It was a new way of treating each other. It was a new way of being in relationship with God as, as opposed to ceremonial, which like I said, it's, it just was, it's more window dressing. What Jesus came was bringing, he came bringing a message that was uh, very countercultural. And so people tripped over Jesus and his new way. So now, now as the spiritual house built on the foundation of Jesus as the cornerstone, now we get to continue living out this new way in our everyday lives as royal priests. So this leads us to our second point, number two. Together we are a royal priesthood. Now, early on in the story of Israel, God's chosen people, um, in the book of Exodus, there's a story where God chooses this man, Aaron, Aaron, and, and his sons to be, to be priests. And, uh, and, and he's chosen them to be priests, to be his representative, to be his representatives, because, and this is kind of hard for us to, I think, get our heads around, because understand that at this time in history, these people didn't know who God was. Think about that. They didn't know who he was. They lived at a time where there were just oodles and oodles of small g gods, idols, all kinds of them, right? But they didn't know who God was. But then God reveals himself to Moses, burning bush, because isn't that burning bush? Uh, but then God reveals himself to the people of Israel, the plagues, the deliverance out of Egypt. And then God at Mount Sinai, he comes down and, and he enters into a covenant relationship uh, with the people of Israel. And so what he does is he now gives them priests to be his representatives to the people. He gives them priests to now help the people learn. So how do we be in relationship with this God, this new God that we're getting uh, to know? So the priests would offer sacrifices animal sacrifices on their own behalf, on behalf of the people, you know, uh, sacrifices for forgiveness, uh, sacrifices for uh, offerings of giving thanks. They would offer prayers on behalf of these people who are getting to know their new God. Uh, uh, and they would teach the people as they met with God and learned from God, they would teach the people to how to now live their lives in a way that was pleasing to God. So another way to put it is the, these priests, they were mediators between God and a people who are just getting to know him. That's the role of a priest. So then God revealed, uh, a little later in the story, he revealed that, hey, you know, actually my plan, it isn't just for Aaron and his sons to be priests. My plan is that all my people would live their lives, would, would function as priests. He says this in Exodus 19, verse five. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. 
Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And basically God is saying, you know what? My plan is that all my people would be representatives of me, where they live, where they work, etc. That they would, they would function like priests. Now, I, I not mean that now we need to start sacrificing animals. Um, what I mean is now as God's people, as God's royal priests, we now live sacrificial lives where we live our lives as Romans 12.1, as living sacrifices, where we sacrificially are, are generous and kind towards other people, where we pray for other people. We go to God on behalf of other people who don't yet know this God, where we, uh, as opportunity comes up, we, we introduce people to the God to, to, to our God, and we invite them into relationship with him. We teach them how to be in relationship with him, to be mediators. We're called to be mediators between God and other people who don't yet know him, who don't yet know God. And, and so it didn't really matter if you were from the priestly line of Aaron and his sons. It didn't matter if you were a shepherd or a potter or a shawarma distributor or whatever you would, it, it just didn't matter. The call on the people of God was to live their lives, whatever their place in society, whatever their occupation, uh, as royal priests, as representatives of God. And we're called royal priests, of course, because of who we represent, the king of all of all kings. And as the story goes, God's people, uh, they didn't do a great job uh, walking this out. And so God the Father sent his son, Jesus. I'm going to send my boy down there, and he's going to show him. He's going to be the perfect example of how to live on this planet as a royal priest. He's going to be the perfect mediator between God and, and the people. And the plan was for Jesus to invite other people to join him, to come now and learn from him how to be, uh, how to be and live as a royal priest and that really brings us to this passage where Peter is writing to this group of Gentile Christians. And really what Peter's saying to them and what he's saying to us is, hey, you know, all those, all that you've heard, all the stories about the, the, you know, the people of God, the chosen people of God, now because of Jesus, now it all applies to you too. Not just them, it now applies to you. The, the, the plan hasn't changed. This is who God is calling you to be. So he says in verse five and verse nine, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse nine, but you, you, VCDC, you uh, watching online, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And notice that Peter's language in verse nine, it sounds a lot like what God said originally to the people of Israel back in, back in the book of Exodus, really describing them. This is, this is how I see you, God said to them then and says to us now, I see you as royal priests. I see you as a holy nation, people set apart for God. I see you as my special possession. And the plan of God is that as we increasingly not only learn that, but experience that of being chosen, of being you know, set apart for God, of being his special possession, right? And really the text goes on to say that, that we would 
learned how to walk in the light, that we would now turn to people. When the Bible says that someone is walking in darkness, that's a description of someone who doesn't yet know God. And we get to, as royal priests, we get to be walking in the light, inviting, inviting other people into, uh, out of darkness and into the light. So Jesus called 12 disciples, many others, to follow him and to learn from him, you know, how to live their lives as royal priests. Um, and when you look in the, in the gospels, you see stories where it's like they're starting to sort of get it. And it, it's, they definitely do better when they're with Jesus, when they're on their own, they're, you know, they don't always get it right. And so, so God looks at this and he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. I'm going to send my spirit to empower my people to be royal priests. So my third point is this, together we are God's dwelling place. And I said earlier that in the Old Testament book of Exodus, that you know, God revealed himself to Moses and then he revealed himself to the people of Israel. And think about this, the people of Israel had been living for 400 plus years in captivity in, in Egypt. And it's estimated that in ancient Egypt, they worshiped over 2,000 gods. Like, I can't even, I can't even imagine. Uh, yeah, I can't even. And, and so God reveals himself to the Israelites, and he now invites them into a monogamous covenant relationship with him, where I alone, where I alone am your God, and you are my chosen people, meaning you've got to unfriend <laughs> 2,000 uh, of these other gods. And, and so he raises up priests, Aaron and his sons, as mediators between God and the people. And then in the, in, in back in Exodus, he says to him, he says, hey, but I want you to build a tabernacle. Gives them, you know, all these instructions. A tent of meeting, basically a, a portable temple. And he has them build it. And his plan is that's going to be my dwelling place on earth. And in the book of Exodus, whoosh, God comes down and he, and, he, and he comes to dwell in this tent. And the priest would go in, the high priest would go in, and he'd meet with God, he'd learn from God, and then he would turn around and uh, come out and teach the people on how to be royal priests, etc. Then in the book of 1 Kings, the Israelites are now established in their own land, the promised land, and God says, hey, to King Solomon, hey, I want you to build, uh, I want you to build me a dwelling place in Jerusalem. I want you to build a majestic uh, temple. And again, whoosh, God comes down and he fills the temple. He fills the temple with his presence. And the priests would go in and they'd meet with God and then they would come back out and they would take what they've learned and they would encourage and teach the people to uh, how to live their everyday lives as royal priests. And then God takes this all to a whole new level. And it's really the time that we live in right now where he... He, you know, he, he, as prophesied in the Old Testament book of Joel, God, uh, God's plan wasn't just to come to earth to live in a tent. It wasn't just to come to earth to live in a stone temple. His plan was to come and dwell in you and in, in me, to dwell in the hearts of his followers. Acts 2 verse 1 says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now God, now God's dwelling place on earth 
is, is us. It's you. It's me. And notice, it's like all of them were filled. It wasn't just the men. There were women there. And I, you know, I don't even think it was just adults. There had to be children there, which would have been, which would have been amazing. All of them were filled. And what this means is we don't need a priest to mediate between us and God. You are a priest. You have 24-7 access to the very presence of God. You don't have to go to a tabernacle or a tent or a temple or a church building, although it is very important to gather together. This could backfire. Because to find the presence of God, because the presence of God now lives in you. He's, he's come to you. Our Father is always listening, and so we pray for anything and everything. We've been given authority as spirit-filled royal priests to declare and invite the kingdom of God into every and all situations. And so just think about this. What would it, if this is true, how's that for a statement? If this is true, what do you think it looks like to get up tomorrow and go to work, to get up tomorrow and go to school, to get up tomorrow and do what you normally do? What do you think that looks like if you really embrace this, that you are a royal priest, that you, you are called to be a mediator between almighty God and people who don't yet know him. You know, as I, I was out, my son and I were out walking last night. We're, we're adopting a dog. And, um, and, you know, I realized, I, uh, even with this talk, I realized how much as I walk in my neighborhood that I do feel like a priest. And what I mean is I notice people and I know this family has this going on. And I know this couple has this. And, and you know, it's such an awesome thing to walk down the street and just quietly pray for my neighbors. That's functioning as a royal priest. I'm going to God on their behalf. Oh, Lord. You know, whatever the situation. I think of one of my neighbors, they're divorced. It's life is a mess. And I just, I just pray for the guy all the time. I mean, what would it look like for you at school, the new student, that you could, you could be a priest. You could pray for them. You could, you know, and as God gives you an opportunity, you could talk with them. You could be a friend. I, I want to I challenge us to consider what it looks like to be mediators of God as we, as we live our lives. Okay, we're going to have the worship team come back. Um, during this ser series, we've ended each talk by taking communion together. But for this final one, we're going to hold off. Uh, we're going to take communion after our time of worship. And we're going to do it a little different. Uh, we're going to give an opportunity for, for some of us to function as royal priests to each other. I'll let you stew on that for a bit. But uh, why don't we stand up? Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.